Thank you, Amy and Ricky, for that ministry in music. Life is very uncertain. There is not one of us who knows what the future holds. One person has said the only certainty in life is uncertainty. Albert Einstein said, and I quote, As far as the law of mathematics refer to reality, they are not certain. And as far as they are certain, they do not refer to reality. Today's passage focuses on the uncertainty in life. The key phrase in Ecclesiastes 1 through 8 is, you don't know. It occurs four times. If you're not with me, I would uh, encourage you to open your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 11 this morning. And as you turn there, I, I do want to once again uh, welcome uh, Kyle and uh, Jenny. Uh, and uh, I think most of you know them, but maybe not everyone. If you would stand, just so everybody can see you and uh, greet you afterwards if they would like. Kyle and Jenny Murky are uh, missionaries with jars. In Ecclesiastes chapter 11, four times the phrase, you don't know, appears. First, in Ecclesiastes 11, verse 2, divide your portion to seven or even to eight. For, here it is, you do not know what misfortune may occur on earth. Ecclesiastes 11, verse 5, just as, here's the phrase, you do not know the path of the wind, and how bones are formed in the womb of the pregnant woman. Here's our phrase again. So you do not know the activity of God who makes all things. Then Ecclesiastes 11, verse 6. Sow your seed in the morning, and do not be idle in the evening. Here's our phrase. For you do not know whether morning or evening sowing will succeed, or whether both of them alike will be good. So it emphasizes what we don't know, the uncertainties of life. Ecclesiastes has been speaking about wisdom and how important wisdom is. But we've also said that wisdom has its limitations. As wise as we are and as wise as we may become, even Solomon, who was the wisest man who ever lived, did not know all things. There were uncertainties that he had to face. At first glance, this passage does not seem to be particularly spiritual. But spirituality is not otherworldliness. Spirituality is not just about another realm, another sphere, another entity. But being spiritual has to do with living a life that's pleasing and appropriate and honoring to God in our everyday existence. So, spirituality is extremely practical. It is down to earth. It's relevant to our every decision in life. This passage is so relevant, so true, so self-evident, that even secular wisdom sees the truth of many of these statements. And these statements are proverbial in nature. 
The problem with this passage is that it may be so easily understood that it may not be impactful. Therefore, I have purposefully chosen a cliche to introduce each of the subpoints this morning. A cliche is an overused expression, usually expressing a popular or common thought or idea that has lost originality, ingenuity, and impact by its familiarity. We are so familiar with these things that we take them for granted. They don't impact us and they don't seem novel or clever any longer. So, I'll give you the first half, you give me the second. A stitch in time. The early bird. Right, those are all cliches. And we all know them. But there's a a great truth behind those cliches. So this morning as we look at this passage, as I said, I'm going to use a cliche for every sub-point this morning. The thought is, how are we to live our life in light of life's uncertainties? First, how are we to live our life in light of the fact that we don't know what tragedies we are going to face. Notice Ecclesiastes 11, verse 2. Ecclesiastes 11, verse 2. Divide your portion to seven, or even for eight, for you do not know what misfortune may occur on the earth. You don't know what misfortune may occur occur on the earth. You don't know what tragedy you may experience. So how should you live your life not knowing what tragedies you may experience? Well, first, we are to take the attitude that nothing ventured, nothing ventured, nothing gained. Look at Ecclesiastes 11, verse 1. Cast your bread on the surface of the waters For you will find it after many days. The idea here is just put it out there and it very well may return to you days later. Jennifer Kolkendorf said, and I quote, Nobody knows how things will turn out. That's why they go ahead and play the game. You give it your all and sometimes amazing things happen. But it's hardly ever what you expect. So we don't know what the future may hold. So we need to be willing to take some risks. We need to be willing to act. Knowing that life is filled with tragedies. Life is filled with disappointments. Things don't always work out the way we would like them to. But nevertheless, nothing ventured, nothing gained. The second idea is don't put all your eggs, don't put all your eggs in one basket. That's Ecclesiastes 11 verse 2. Divide your portion to seven or even to eight, for you do not know what misfortune may occur on the earth. So divide up your wealth. In the areas of investment, we hear the mantra, diversify Diversify, diversify. 
Have a diversified portfolio. You want to have stocks. You want to have bonds. You want to have a number of investment devices. You want to have gold. You want to have all kinds of investments because you don't know which ones are going to hold up and which other ones are going to lose money in the end. During the technology bust, a lot of people lost a great deal of money who had all their stock in the company for which they worked. The tech stocks, the computer stocks, were well known, those companies, for giving their employees a pension that consisted of stock in the company. And many of them, that was their, their full retirement. But many of those companies went out of business or tanked. And as a result, those workers had nothing because they had not diversified. They had all of their eggs in one basket. There are benefits to diversifying our risk. Something could go terribly wrong. Terribly wrong. Secondly, how are we to live in light of the fact that we don't know what God is going to do? We don't know what God is going to do. That comes from Ecclesiastes 11 verse 5. Just as you do not know the path of the wind and how bones are formed in the womb of the pregnant woman, so you do not know the activity of God who makes all things. Makes all things. Well, some things are as plain as... Alright, a little, a little uh, disagreement on that one. The, the one I was thinking of is plain as the nose on your face. It's plain as the nose on your face. For me, that's very plain. Alright, I've got a, I've got a big nose. And uh, you, can, you can see it coming. Alright, so, but as plain as the nose on your face. Ecclesiastes 11 verse 3. If the clouds are full, they pour out rain upon the earth. If the clouds are full, it's going to rain. That's pretty self-evident. If you see this huge, dark cloud, you can look at the sky and you can say, well, it's going to rain soon. The wind comes up, the temperature drops, and you know it's about to rain. When I was a child, I was taught a ditty by my mother, and that is, Red in the morning, sailors take warning. Red at night, sailors delight. If it was red in the morning, that means it was going to be a beautiful day. If it was, uh, excuse me, it means it was going to be a, a rainy day, a stormy day. But if it's a red at night, a beautiful red sunset, that means it was going to be a clear night. You know, that's actually biblical. Listen to the words of Matthew 16, verses 2 and 3. Jesus answered and said to them, when it is evening, you say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, there will be a storm today, for the sky is red and threatening. Do you not know how to discern the appearance of the sky, but cannot discern the signs of the times? So Jesus says, you can look at the, the skies, and you can discern when it's going to rain or not, but you don't have enough common sense to look at the signs that I am performing 
before you. As Jesus was doing his miracles. As Jesus was demonstrating his deity. As Jesus was talking about the gospel, the good news of the coming kingdom and of salvation. He said, you can see that, but you fail to see what I'm doing. The other cliche is don't cry over. Oh, you're doing so wonderfully here. Okay. Yes. Don't cry over spilled milk. There are things that we have no control of. And when they happen, you just have to accept them. Notice in Ecclesiastes 11, verse 3. If the clouds are full, they pour out rain upon the earth. And now this part. And whether a tree falls toward the south or toward the north, wherever the tree falls, there it lies. Doesn't matter if it falls to the north or it falls to the south. Once it's there, it's there. Once it's fallen, it's over. It's done. There are things in life that we have to just learn to accept. When they're done, they're done. And you can't go back. You can't relive them. You can't undo them. You can't retrace your steps. It's finished. And there's really no value in living a life of regret, of constant remorse, of wringing one's hands and saying, if only I would have. Well, we didn't. And there's nothing that we can do about it. That's why it's so important that we make wise decisions, because we have to learn to deal with the consequences. We have to learn to accept the outcome of those circumstances. Theologian Reinhold Niebuhr composed a prayer that has become very popular. It's a a prayer of uh, great worth. It's known as the Serenity Prayer. It's simple. It's short. It goes as follows. Lord, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. There's a great deal of truth in that that prayer. Help me to know the things that I can change. Help me to accept the things that I cannot change and have the wisdom to know the difference. To know what it is that we can change and what it is that we cannot change. The next adage is, he who hesitates is lost. Ecclesiastes 11 verse 4. He who watches the wind will not sow, and he who looks at the clouds will not reap. Now that sounds on face value to fly in the face of the verse that we just read about being as plain as the nose on your face. Of being able to see the clouds. But here the idea is that the one who constantly watches the wind will not sow. And he looks at the clouds will not reap. I've used he who hesitates is lost. As are many of the 
illustrations in the Bible, they are agricultural in nature. Because in the Old Testament, it was an agrarian society. And uh, they resonate with me because, as you know, I was a farm boy. I grew up on a farm. And uh, one of the things that a farmer is concerned about is that when the farmer mows his hay, he doesn't want it to become rained upon or it's going to spoil. It's going to mold. It's not going to be of great value or use. And there's a process involved. You mow the hay, and then you let the the hay lie there and dry. And then as it dries, you come and you rake the hay, you turn it over, so that the bottom part is now on the top, so that it thoroughly dries from top to bottom. Once you have waited for it thoroughly to dry, then you bale the hay. But it's bad news from the time that you mow the hay to the time that it bales the hay if it rains. So a farmer is going to pick a nice sunny day in order to bale hay. But sometimes it's difficult to discern whether or not it's going to rain. Now this week for day camp, I've been looking at the weather report and there's a 40% chance of precipitation, according to the weatherman, virtually each day this week. That's almost 50-50. Could rain or it could not rain. Most of us take those things kind of in stride, except when it becomes very important. I no longer live on a farm. But I do have a convertible. And I like to drive with the top down. But anybody who owns a convertible, one thing you're worried about once you go into a building, you're going to be there for an hour or two, is is it going to shower while I'm inside? You don't want your top down if it's going to rain. And so I always look at the forecast, but even so, I look at the sky and I think, okay, we're going to get a pop-up shower. We're going to get something that's going to come. And as a result, nine out of ten times, unless it's an extremely bright and beautiful day, nine out of ten times, I put the top up. If I'm going to be inside for any extended period of time, it's not worth the risk for me. But you see, Ecclesiastes is saying, if you live your whole life that way, unwilling to take the risk because you don't know when it's going to rain or not rain, the farmer is never going to bail his hay. You're never going to get anything done. You're never going to get anything accomplished. We have to have an adventuresome spirit. We have to be willing to step out and take a risk, not knowing if it's going to rain or not. And then here is the application, verse 5. Just as you do not know the path of the wind and how bones are formed in the womb of the pregnant woman, so you do not know the activity of God who makes all things. You don't know... What God is going to do. Life is uncertain. But it is not without rhyme or reason. We just don't live in a world governed by blind fate. We live in a world that is governed by 
and all-knowing, all-righteous, all-holy, all-powerful God. So we can trust in Him as opposed to trusting in our wisdom or our ability to forecast the future or even to forecast the weather. We can step out believing and trusting in God. Here is the believer's comfort and here is the believer's encouragement. Things are beyond our control. Yes. But there is nothing that is beyond God's control. Things are uncertain for us. But they are certain for God. This should give us an appreciation of God's sovereignty. And it should provide for us great comfort and encouragement as we live our lives. I've been working slowly through Ecclesiastes. And in some ways that does the book a great injustice. Because it divorces very important thoughts that run together. The next section is filled with thoughts about God. And how we need to seek God and seek Him early. This leads into that portion of God that says we need to seek God and seek Him early. In knowing that life is uncertain, we should pray. We should pray for wisdom. We should pray for God's outcome. We should pray for God's will to be done. We should trust in Him as opposed to trusting in ourselves. Lastly, we don't know what areas of our work are going to prosper and what are not going to prosper. We don't know what areas of our work are going to prosper and what areas are not going to prosper. Cliche, don't count your chickens before they hatch. You don't know until those chickens are actually born how many live chickens you're going to end up with. Ecclesiastes 11 verse 6 says, Sow your seed in the morning and do not be idle in the evening, for you do not know whether morning or evening sowing will succeed or whether both of them alike will be good. You don't know. So, be industrious all day. Don't just work hard in the morning thinking at night, I worked hard in the morning, I will have plenty. You don't know. Maybe all that work in the morning is going to go to the futility. Maybe nothing is going to work out. Maybe nothing is going to pan out as a result. So, you need to work at night. You don't know. You don't know. We get discouraged sometimes when things don't pan out as we like, uh, when things don't turn out, when the bread does not rise, when the take does not taste good, or when you're working with people. When you're working with people. You don't know. There are some people that you invest a great deal of time into their lives. And... Nothing seems to come of it. Nothing seems to change. They, they go back to their old lifestyle. They go back to their, their old way. And you say to yourself, 
What good was that? What was the point of that? And if one isn't careful, they become cynical. And they have a tendency to throw in a towel, to give up. What's the point? What's the use? And then you pour your life into another individual. And you see dramatic change. You see real conversion. You see great spiritual growth. And you recognize that life isn't always the same. You don't always get the same result. If you're a farmer, one year the crops may prosper. Another year you can get very little rain and hardly anything grows. Don't get frustrated in life when things do not go as you would like. And don't become overly confident when you're in a good season thinking that life is always going to be that way. We have our ups and we have our downs. And we are to persevere in life whether we are in that up period or that down period. Uh, this one I don't know if it fits entirely, but go for all the gusto in life. Make the most out of life. Look at Ecclesiastes 11, verses 7 and 8. The light is pleasant and it is good for the eyes to see the sun. Indeed, if a man should live many years, let him rejoice in them all. Let him rejoice in them all. We should seek to live our lives in such a way that we can rejoice in all of our years. From our youth to our old age. This is going to be the foundational verse for next Sunday's message. How do we live our lives in such a way as we are going to be able to rejoice in them for their entirety. Give you the snapshot answer. And then next week we'll under, unpack it in great length. And that is by taking God into consideration. Yes, enjoy life. But don't leave God out of the picture. Learn that by putting God in the picture. You really enjoy life. By keeping God in the forefront. By doing what is pleasing Him. You are going to, you are going to reap not only today. But tomorrow. You won't have to deal with the unpleasant consequences of horrendous decisions, of regret and remorse, as I was talking about earlier. You'll be preserved from all of that. You can be happy today and be happy tomorrow if today is lived in light of who God is and what He expects from us. And then we can be happy tomorrow in what is the result and outcome of that. So, live your life so as to enjoy it. The next is, save a penny for a rainy day. Book of Ecclesiastes 11, verse 8. Indeed, if a man shall live many years, let him rejoice in them all, and let him remember the days of darkness, for they shall be many. Just keep in mind, that there are good days and there are bad days. If you're right now experiencing bad days, keep in mind that there are going to be some good days coming. 
You know, you, the old cliche, there is light at the there's light at the end of the tunnel. You see, all these these cliches have real meaning, they have real significance. There's light at the end of the tunnel. You need to tell yourself it's not always going to be this way. Things have a way of working themselves out. Things have a way of, of getting better. Conversely, if things are just great today, don't become unnerved if tomorrow they're not so great. We go through seasons. We go through periods of time. So, don't be so high as to fail to recognize that you know, we can experience some, some pretty tough times. And in tough times, don't be so low that you fail to recognize that there are some good days ahead. But prepare for those difficult days. Financially, set some money aside. Set some resources aside. Um, what I mean by resources is spiritual resources. Memorize scripture verses that are going to be of great comfort and difficulty in time of hardship or misery. It is unfortunate when in times of difficulty people begin to cast about and try to start having a relationship with God or try to have start having a devotional life or trying to start reading the Bible. It is of such value and worth to have a bank. You know, to have a, a bank wall of scriptural knowledge and understanding that sees you through these times when it may be difficult to pray. It may be difficult to read the scriptures. But they will come back to you. I had a very precious experience that taught me so much very early on in my ministry. It was about 40 years ago. And uh, I was working as an assistant pastor at our Blandon Bible Fellowship Church. And we had one of our dear elderly saints in a nursing home. And this individual was senile. Whether or not uh, they actually had Alzheimer's, I, I don't know. But most of the time, the person was out of it. Most of the time, did not recognize who I was, though they knew me from a youth. But now I was a stranger to them. Their mind was about gone. But as I said, this person was a, a really godly saint. Terrific individual. A pillar of the church. And one of the things that always, always impressed me was I would read scripture to him. And he would start reciting it with me. Did he remember other things? But the scripture would come to mind. And he would be there. And he'd be lucid. And to me it was obvious that the Spirit of God was comforting him even in the midst of these most dark and dreadful days. But the Spirit of God can't bring to our minds things that we haven't learned. 
Things that we don't know. Verses that we haven't memorized. But because he had memorized these verses, the Spirit of God could work in his life. Prepare for rainy days. Lastly, you can't take it you can't take it with you. Ecclesiastes 11 verse 8. Everything that is to come will be futility. Obviously, there is the promise of the resurrection. Obviously, there is that great truth. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through and steal. Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves do break through and steal. There are certain things that you can take with you. People that come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, you can take with you. The Scripture says good works follow you. But in humanistic terms, money, wealth, houses, cars, material things, they are so temporal. They are so fleeting. In the big scheme of things, they are so insignificant. Not that we shouldn't have them. And not that we can take joy in them. But they shouldn't consume us. They shouldn't be the the driving force in all that we do in order to obtain, obtain, obtain. Yes, if God so blesses that we have the opportunity to enjoy these things, then enjoy them, that's fine. But recognize that there's something of even greater significance in life. And that is our personal relationship to Jesus Christ. That goes with us. That accompanies us into eternity. To hear those wonderful words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Conclusion. We are not to be paralyzed by life's uncertainties. They are not to render us incapable of action. We aren't to sit and cower in a corner. Because we don't know what could happen. We are to be adventurous. We are to be daring. We are to invest. We are to work. And we are to expect. Don't let life's uncertainties keep you from doing what you believe God would have you to do. Keep you from enjoying life. Don't let them paralyze you. Don't let them rob you of your present joy and delight. And then secondly, but we should be humbled by life's uncertainties. We should be humbled by life's uncertainties. We should not take success for granted. So James tells us that we're not to be like that individual that says that uh, today they're going to go into a city and buy and get get great gain and do so for a year for you don't know what the future holds. There should be a humility. We don't know. 
We don't know how life's going to turn out. We don't know what we're going to expect. And in that humility, it should cause us to turn to God. Cause us to bathe every decision in prayer. God, I need wisdom. I don't know. I don't know the outcome. I don't know how this is all going to turn out. I think I do. But sometimes decisions have unintended consequences. Unintended circumstances. So, Lord, give me wisdom. Help me to understand what we're to do. Look to the Lord for guidance, direction, strength, help. And most importantly, realize Ecclesiastes 11 and 1 8 is not the end of the story. Chapter 12 is the end of the story. And it's a magnificent end. But right now, learn to cope with life's uncertainties. Don't let them paralyze you. But may they humble us and cause us to see our need for God. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for your great grace and goodness to us. Lord, we we thank you that we do not know the future, but you do. We do not control it, but you do. Oh, Lord, help us to trust in you and not ourselves. Help us not to become so fearful, so worried about all the things in life that we can't control, that it paralyzes us, that it causes us fear. But, Lord, may it cause us to be humble and to come before you and to bathe our decisions in prayer and to seek your direction and desire your strength to uphold us and to meet our needs. And in so doing, O Lord, may you be glorified and may our lives be enriched. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.